comes another edition of Talking Foosball Direct, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. I am your host, Matt Herman. This week, we're facing facts. It looks like the title race has taken a turn. With me this week is Talking Foosball founding father, Terry DeFellin. Good to have you back on the show. Always good to be invited back on the show and then to come back on and what may be a pivotal weekend for the Bundesliga season. Yeah, yeah. It seems that uh, the title race we've been talking about so much, I think there's two teams who are in the thick of it rather than three at the moment, although maybe we're counting a few teams out too early. I don't know. Lots to discuss, of course. We'll be right back with the best and the rest of Match Day 22. While we're out, please just subscribe to the pod and, you know, leave us a five-star rating if you like us. If you really, really like us, become a supporter on Patreon. We've got lots of timeless content over there, and it helps us keep the show going. Those bucks. All right, here comes part one of Talking Foosball Direct. I'm Matt Herman here with Terry DeFellin. And yes, we have been talking about the title race so much in the past weeks. The setup for Match Day 22. This is the part where we talk about the best of the Match Day just gone, Match Day 22. The setup was a three-way tie at the top. We had Borussia Dortmund, FC Bayern München, and Erste FC Union Berlin. As it just so happened, two of those teams were playing each other on this fine match day. It was the, the final match of the round. Lots of build-up to a very big game between Bayern and Union. We were all really just hot and throbbing for it. And once it got started, really, the, the result was pretty much never in doubt. FC Bayern, they were at home at the Allianz. And they made Union look like anything but a side who had come into the game level on points with them at the top of the table. What is the story of this game, Terry, and how disappointed were you in it? Well, the story, I think, was that Erz Fischer took the view that Bayern would be looking to make a statement after having had a disappointing result last week and make a statement on the basis of the fact that this is a challenger for their title and that you know something needs to be done. They need to put in a very good performance and a dominant display and took the view that it didn't really matter what his team did, that Bayern would be on the front foot. And so he played deep, the lowest of low possible blocks, and tried to keep them at bay. And what we had was last-ditch defending Heroic defending from Robin Knocker and the like. Defending like they're 1-0 up on the 89th minute, but in fact it was 0-0 after five. So you know, they really pushed the game really, really hard and inevitably broke through. And then, yes, of course, just kept, kept the pressure up, pushed as hard as they can, dominated possession, which I think was the key, and then obviously took a three-goal lead into that second half. And at that point, they were able to better control the game. They did give up some possession, I think, and they gave up some ground at times. Sometimes they pressed super heavy, and then sometimes they just played a low block themselves just to wear Union out. And I don't think Union played particularly badly, but I just don't think they, they were given the opportunity 
to play well. I mean, they made some mistakes. They kept giving the ball away. They had only half chances, sniffs at chances. And by that point, they were kind of battered. You could say perhaps they might have been a bit weary after their fantastic exploits in the Europa League. But I suspect they were just they were just put through the ringer. Am I disappointed? Well, no. I mean, I'm not disappointed. I admire Bayern Munich's ability to be able to to respect their opposition to the point that you know they didn't give Union anything. They treated them like title contenders rather than young pretenders and interlopers. And this is an admirable mentality in Bayern Munich. Isn't it one of the reasons why they succeed so much is that they don't take things for granted. And when they do, they know that they can get bitten. They controlled this game, but they knew they were playing a dangerous opponent. So I'm, I'm not disappointed, you know, insofar that I think this day was coming. Also, yes, I personally think that a corner has been turned in the title race and that it's now three has become two. But of course, I don't actually know that that's happened. And there's still plenty of time left. So I feel certain that Union have got something to say yet, but I think we might have seen their title aspirations finished, even though they maintain they never had them to begin with. Yeah, I mean, I can't say that I was disappointed in the game in that, you know, Bayern were worthy winners. Bayern put on a really great show, especially in that first half when they were sort of looking to put things away. But I have to say I was disappointed in Union. I feel like... They came out with such a negative game plan and they allowed themselves to be sort of pushed around, I thought. They, they didn't really bring a whole lot up front. I think they had four shots on goal the whole game. It just wasn't good enough. It made me doubt their, not just their title credentials, but their ability to stick around in the top four. I don't know whether that's you know a, a legitimate worry, but they've been really good all season and this was just terrible. Yeah, I mean, I think that they are better than that. And I and I think it really stems to a decision, I think, that was made by the coach to be super defensive and not to show ambition. I think that sometimes the coach believes his own press and says, no, no, we're not a championship side. I'll just be happy when we've got the points we need to avoid relegation. That's what this is about. But the reality is, is that this was a title showdown, whether he liked it or not. And so perhaps there should be some expectation that he should, should do that. You're going to lose either way, so what's the big deal? You know, that's one way of looking at it. But hey, you never know. You might actually cause an upset. And this team has played superbly for, so far. And they've played away in a way that is not orthodox Bundesliga football as well. And they've been a real breath of fresh air. And so, yes, it, it is disappointing. But I can't blame Urs Fischer for taking that view and he doesn't owe us as neutrals, you know, any explanations. And I'm sure Union fans are philosophical about it. But you, yes, I think you're right, Matt. There was perhaps an oppo- a missed opportunity here. What Union lack is that kind of the individual players that have just that ability to do something really cool, to unlock a defence, play, you know, that wicked pass, you know, that element of creativity this is not something that that they have when I was last on here we talked a little bit about the potential signing of Isco and obviously that didn't happen and we won't dig that up again but for me that feels like that's the next step in Union's evolution and they're already looking to that now you know they've got the team set up beautifully they've now got to start signing players that can play through 
you know, and do something magical. They've got to find some proper, lovely, creative players to go to take up to that next level. And so I wonder whether or not we could look at this and just say, well, Union have kind of hit their ceiling in this game. This is as far as they can get. Now they need something extra. And it will be interesting to see how they end the season. I don't think they're going to fall apart, Matt. I think they're going to do okay. I don't know whether or not they'll finish top four, but I think they'll do okay and progress and become better next season as well. I still feel that Union are on on the upward curve. Let's not bury Union just on the basis of one bad game and perhaps one rare lack of judgment from the coach. Well, well, well. Yeah, well, they they do have a lot to play for still. They still have something of a cushion in that uh, that chase after top four football. And oddly enough, Union Berlin are going to be squaring off against another Union in the Europa League in the next round. They drew Saint-Gilloise, which, you know, I guess we can call them the other Union, although we can maybe say Union or whatever they say in Francophone Belgium. They could have done a lot worse with that draw. I thought. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's difficult to gauge how difficult that is because I'm sure, like you, I don't know about you, Matt, I'm not uh, au fait with the Belgian leagues. But what we do know is it does appear to be getting stronger. So they'll be tricky. But I think anyone who knocked Ajax out in the previous round should not fear almost anyone, you know, with the possible exception of of the real giants in that uh, competition. So there's certainly opportunities for Union to, or the, our Union, to progress further. Okay, let's talk about the other end of uh, what might have proved a turning point in the title race this weekend. Dortmund, they made the first move on Saturday. They won away against a team that has given them fits on occasion in the past, TSG Hoffenheim. I reckon Bay had the better of a fairly open game in this one. What uh, Julian Brandt, he loves an unorthodox approach uh, t- to any type of football. He likes, you know, the playing the ball with the outside of his boot, with the back heel, the sort of floating run. And now he's, now he's doing glancing off the back finishes off of free kicks for goals. What do you make of this one? Well, you know, there's nothing finer than Julian Brandt when his back's up, Matt. <laughs> there's nothing finer. You could say he is the spine of the team. <laughs> Uh, it's all about it's all about the ball, isn't it? From Royce, isn't it? From the set piece, that's what that's the the genius of that goal. And yeah, I mean, it's just you could say it's a it's a bit of luck. Obviously, there's no profound technique in that kind of thing, but it worked. And yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think that it was in what was a very very close game. Dortmund just about shaded it, and it needed probably just a, a bit of glancing luck to be able to to get that. I think Hoffenheim can take some encouragement from the performance, certainly, and suggesting that that you know they they're making the relegation struggle a little bit more interesting, and they can be optimistic about their immediate future. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get around to talking Hoffenheim a little bit later in the show when we address the relegation fight, which has gotten much much more intriguing. I guess Rasenball Sport Leipzig were the other big winners. Of the weekend, they got up, you know, just one point behind Union. They're now in fourth place after they were 2-1 winners at home to Eintracht Frankfurt. Kind of an old-school Red Bull score sheet on Saturday. It was Timo Werner and Emil Forsberg with a Werner assist that got them the win. I know that you sort of started off this segment with the idea that we've gone from three to two in this title race. But Leipzig... Just four points off the top. Should we give them a little bit of a look in? 
Should we at least take them, you know, at least as seriously as we do Union, maybe more seriously? Yeah, I mean, the problem with contracting narratives is is that sometimes football results get in the way I know. and ruin your perfectly well-formed narrative. Yeah, of course, Leipzig continue to pick up points, continue to win games, and so therefore are a threat, and they've got some good players. I liked Timo Werner's goal. Yeah. I probably would have been <laughs> sitting there thinking, why couldn't have I had that kind of luck when I was at Chelsea? I might still be there. Although I don't think he'd want to be there right now. But I mean, yeah, there is a, there's a sense of the of the gang getting back together again. I, I'm just checking to see whether or not Yusuf Paulson made a late substitute appearance or not. But Oh, he was he was on. <laughs> he was on when Forspear scored. It's, yeah. It's like a beautiful moment. And you think, well, you know, I mean, almost getting some Leipzig nostalgia, which, you know, is kind of unhealthy, really. <laughs> but uh, I mean, remember I, the good old days at Leipzig? <laughs> the good old days of Leipzig. Yeah. No, I don't remember the good old days of Leipzig at all. What are you talking about? But I, mean, I suppose there's a broader issue about, you know, how much of Leipzig grown and, you know, if they're still having to get the old gang back together again. But uh, it's probably, you know, uh, a, a little unfair. But yeah, certainly Leipzig under Marco Rosa do appear to be the real deal. And they're in the hunt. Well, oh, do you have any thoughts about Leipzig's perhaps surprisingly strong performance at midweek in the Champions League? I think we were talking ahead of this past week's action, Marie and I last week, that, you know, we thought that Eintracht's challenge against Napoli was going to be pretty tough, but that uh, Leipzig might have it even tougher. And it didn't quite play out that way. No, I mean, I... City can do this. They have dropped off through the course of the season. They'll put in under par performances. And I didn't watch this game. So I can't really uh, account for what City might or might not have done in there. But I think if you adopt the default position that if you're going to play Manchester City, you're probably going to lose, then that's a fantastic result. It's got to be said. I would still kind of make City favourites through that, but that's because they've just got amazing players and one of the best coaches in the world. Yep, absolutely. all remains to be seen. I mean, I think you're right. Eintracht were always on a sticky wicket with uh, Napoli. I thought they were harshly treated with that sending off, to be fair. But I think it's still not a surprising result. But yeah, Leipzig getting a decent result, a draw against Manchester City was was a surprise, I think. And certainly would have been, it was a surprise back here in England, because as you know, most of us, can't see beyond uh, our shores when it comes to the foreign football. We all think that they're inferior with a few exceptions. Grudgingly. Maybe, maybe Real Madrid. Yeah, Real Madrid. Oh, Real Madrid is still good. How is that possible? (laughs) All right, all right. Enough Champions League talk. We'll be right back with part two of Talking Foosball Direct. Okay, this is part two of Talking Foosball Direct. I'm Matt Herman. I'm here with Terry DeFellin. This is the part where we talk about the rest of the match day just gone. This is match day 22. If there was a turning point at the top of the table, there might just as likely have been one at the bottom, which is to say Schalke. FC Schalke Nofia. They actually started winning games. I mean, let's not oversell this. They've been looking fairly decent for the past several weeks. They picked up a point in each of the last four match days leading up to this one, although those were all from nil-nil draws. But this time, their attack came out of its shell for two goals in a single half, folks. 
The fact that it was the first half made life a little bit difficult for them as Stuttgart came roaring back to get one back and, and, and really pressed them for an equalizer in the second. But they did hold on. Schalke, now three points away from the playoff spot. They're on 16, a couple of teams ahead of them on 19 points. They're four points off of safety. Looking into your, you know, football crystal ball, your bag of narratives, are you ready to pull out the one that says big comeback from the Royal Blues to stay in the league? Or are you uh, kind of fumbling around for something else right now? If I was wearing my Dortmund hat, I'd be fumbling around for it's like, no, no, it's just a flash in the pan. They'll, uh, they're still going down. But objectively and in all seriousness, I mean, after those four straight nil-nil draws, obviously the next thing you're looking for is think, let's try and see if we can turn those that one point into three. And then suddenly you've got momentum and belief. Thomas Rice has done a decent job there, hasn't he? You know, I mean, this is a football team desperately shot shy, desperately goal shy, and he's gone, well, let's just park the bus and then see if we can get some confidence and get things moving and that's what they did here. And they can also take a degree of confidence from the fact that, yeah, they, they were under a lot of pressure in the second half and they resisted that pressure. Ralph Fairman had a fantastic game. And admittedly, you know, it's not always you want systems to win you football matches rather than individuals, you know, I guess when you're down there. But although he, uh, you know, he made a mistake for Stuttgart's goal, that is something that, you know, you can draw confidence from and say, well, actually, this was an individual mistake from a usually incredibly reliable goalkeeper who actually helped us out a lot rather than a systemic error. And I think that Schalke can be suitably pleased with the way that they handled that and kept Stuttgart about when what was a, a six-pointer. So the opportunity now is to build momentum and to go forward and put themselves back in with a decent shout of staying up. Mm-hmm. A little bit of movement also from Hertha BSC. They were winners on Saturday uh, in, in a, a semi-six-pointer, let's just say. Over Augsburg, it was a 2-1 win at home that took Hertha from 17th up to 14th. Just one place behind Augsburg, although four points behind them. Pretty scrappy game, I would have to say, especially in the first half. But then it got Less scrappy and more sloppy in the second half due to some wet snowfall. Yeah, basically the Capital Club were simply a little bit better in taking advantage of some of that slick chaos. Any thoughts about the nature of this result? I mean, Hertha seemed to be maybe gaining a little bit of steam at home at least, you know, beating Gladbach and now Augsburg. I don't know what you thought of their performance against Dortmund last week, but I definitely thought it was better than a 4-1 loss. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. There's definitely seems to be indications of increased but better performances, two wins in three. I would, I, again, it's momentum, isn't it, really, at this time of the year? And I think that there's grounds for some optimism. It's just a such a, a fluid relegation scrap, really. I mean, it's. I think you can narrow it down to six teams, maybe. You could possibly, if you wanted to be uncharitable, include Cologne in that, make it make it seven. But only I, mean, I feel that it's the teams with the sort of bigger squads who are likely to be the ones that will manage to survive this. And I think Hertha have a reasonably sized squad, and I think could look good for it. I think the teams I would be worrying about here would be. Although we've we've said in the past how much that we find Augsburg interesting, I would worry about their prospects. Bochum definitely, 
and still Schalke, or despite what I've said, you know, they're, they've got a big disadvantage because of that points gap. So I think I, I hurt her look decent, but you know better than I do that this is not a club they don't tend to turn corners. They will have a, a run of good performances and then they'll put it in a really, really garbage one and then be back where they are again. They're not really very good at, at momentum, Hertha, are they? Let's face it, I'm not, not for a few years now. So Yeah, negative momentum seems to be within their grasp <laughs> pretty frequently, but positive is, oh man, but fleeting. I'm choosing to take this as a positive sign. I actually thought this was not a terribly good performance from them. It was an effective one and, you know, a, a canny one, an opportunistic one, but, you know, a win's a win, whatever. Let's talk about Bochum for a second. They were 3-0 losers at the Weserstadion. Nicholas Fulkrug and Marvin Duksch, the dream team up front for Werder, each got a goal. Nicholas Schmidt got the third, by the way. Yeah, I guess Bochum did a little rise going into the winter break and, and got a good result coming out of the gate. But now they can't stop leaking goals. I mean, I think just once since the winter break resumption, have they failed to allow at least two goals in, in a game. Even the games that they've won since that time, they have surrendered two goals or more. I'm definitely worried about them. Yeah, and you should be, and I particularly in view of the fact that they've got a massive game next weekend, haven't they? They've got the Mini Revere Derby. That's next weekend, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's going to be a huge game of football. It's probably going to be scrappy and unpleasant. If Schalke win that game, then, yeah, then again, we go back to narratives, don't we? And that's going to be a major blow. I mean, I just feel that Hoffenheim, I think, are getting better although it's not reflecting in their results. I just feel instinctively that Stuttgart, although may actually be the third worst team in this division and when it shakes up, but have got enough to stay out of that bottom two. I'm just not convinced that Bochum are resolute enough to be able to survive another uh, season. And But they've, they've got the perfect opportunity to turn it around if they can put in a really good display and get three points uh, against Schalke next week. In the Thomas Reis derby. In the Thomas Reis derby. And indeed, other kind of derby as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> One of the, the, the kleiner of your derby. Okay, let's now move on and talk about uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. <laughs> what do we say about this team? They're like two different teams, home and away. On Friday night, you know, this is the team we know. They beat Bayern 3-2 at home last week. And <laughs> it was back to just sucking. Yeah. I mean, they got thumped in Berlin two weeks ago. They got steamrolled by Mainz. And, you know, coming out of this game, I mean, Mainz was already sort of, you know, feeling themselves a little bit. And, you know, a 4-0 win. They got Jason Lee, who has been on fire. I think this is like seventh score point in the last six games. Ludovic Ajark, who has been playing a lot but not scoring since he came over from Strasbourg, finally got his first goal. A kid, 17-year-old, Nelson Viper, got his first goal as a top-flight professional. I mean, Gladbach, we, we, we talked about them as being, you know, maybe, maybe not the Aufbaugegner. They are definitely the Aufbaugegner when they're away from home these days. They spread the good vibes among the teams who they play. Yeah, they're just massively super inclusive. They say, here you go, Bundesliga. Here is a win over Bayern. You're welcome. And uh, yeah, just to sort of like, you know, just because we don't want to hog all the glory ourselves, we're just going to not show up, you know, at the next game. 
it's genuinely baffling. You would have to assume that there's a systemic issue with playing on the road that Daniel Farker is going to have to address if he wants to keep his job for any length of time. But it is difficult to understand how a team of such talent can be so terrible in such a short space of time. Yeah, they have enough cushion for us not to mention them in the drop conversation, but they don't really light much of a fire under me. I mean, I like Daniel Farker because... I think, obviously, he was over in England for a while. He made Norwich interesting. I think a lot of people felt the reason why he couldn't keep Norwich up was because Norwich just didn't have the wherewithal to build a squad that was capable of staying in the Premier League, which is a ridiculously hard league to stay in. And I was pleased for him when he got this kind of gig. But I feel there's got to be something missing there. Maybe he needs to make a new hire. I hope he gets another opportunity to stick with this club and build something and spend another close season you know, working this out and fleshing that squad out more. Because it's quite clear that when they can play, my goodness, they can literally beat the best. But they're desperately on the hunt for some kind of consistency. And it's disappointing. And I hope that it doesn't end up with Daniel Farker ending up getting fired at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. I'm concerned that it might, but I don't know how high expectations are at Gladbach these days. Maybe, maybe it's okay. Another team who has probably underachieved <laughs> thus far this season. Bayer Leverkusen actually got a pretty good result away to Freiburg. It was a 1-1 draw for them. And, you know, you can look at this one from a lot of different perspectives. Leverkusen have had lots of ups and downs, just like Gladbach have had. They probably would have been very happy to take a point ahead of this game, but I actually thought they probably did enough to get three, maybe? I mean, Sardar Osmond canceled out the Vincenzo Grifo first half free kick goal with one in, in the second. Any thoughts about where Leverkusen are at right now? They did squeak one out in the Europa League. You know, they turned around that 3-2 reverse at home to Monaco by doing the same to them and then winning in a penalty shootout. It seems, uh, who do they have in, in the Europa League? They have Ferenc Varos. Ferenc Varos. So that's going to be a journey, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a journey, and that's going to be probably an experience. I would imagine French Farris have got a strong partisan crowd, and uh, that'll be a, a fun away trip. Leverkusen, I think, just have difficulty dominating teams in the way that they should. They've got the players, they've got the talent. Losing Patrick Schick to injury, I think, is disappointing because, you know, he can score some goals. And obviously, Florian Wurz is coming back as well. So we, mitigating circumstances there. Terrible start to the season. New coaches had to come in, bring in his own thing. A rookie coach as well. It's a big step. I know that he's done his apprenticeship, Javi Alonso, but, you know, stepping into, you know, a European club with serious ambitions for honours and for European qualifications is a big step up. There are times during this game when they just allowed Freiburg to dominate them. And once they kind of, you know, shook that off, they were in the game and, yeah, I mean, looked more likely to win than the home side. So if they had started the game like that, then it would have been a very different result. Not quite sure what to make of Freiburg, really, after that. Strongly felt that they were in control of that match, but just, just sort of didn't really, again, take advantage of that and press home and get that second goal. 
I think draw was probably actually the fair result in those two games. But you could, but both teams will be walking, both both coaches will be walking away saying we should have won that game, and they both would have been right. Actually, I think. Pretty disappointed to see Freiburg drawn against Juventus in the Europa League. Why? Well, I mean, I, I understand. I mean, this is the last sixteen. There's probably not any mugs left, but. <laughs> Just looking at the fact that Freiburg absolutely steamrolled their, you know, Europa League group stage, they got a bye, and still somehow they ended up with a much stronger opposition than did either Leverkusen or Union. Seems unfortunate to me, let's just say. Yes. Looking at it from a broader Bundesliga perspective, and you're looking at those coefficients if they look at Freiburg and the talent that they have and where they are, you think, well, it would be nice to see them go forward. But there's a couple of things that I would say. I think Juventus, obviously, everyone, I'm sure everyone knows Juventus have had their issues, <laughs> considerable issues. Oh, yeah. This yeah. Season. I don't count Freiburg out at all. No. So this is, this is a totally winnable game. Also, it's Juventus. And when do Freiburg play Juventus in a competitive match. So from a, that point of view, I think if I was a Freiburg fan, I would be wanting to get tickets for that game. I would be really excited. And so I wouldn't begrudge that experience of them. But you are right in what you say. I would also add that, you know, Freiburg are going to be back in Europe next season. So they get to do this again next season. And maybe even in the Champions League. So their story's not over. They've still got more European football to play. And so, yeah, I would take the opportunity to play one of the big, big giants of the global game and go in there with a decent chance of winning it too. Yeah, I feel you. I, I definitely know. I mean, think about all the Fulham fans that you know who, who love to talk about the fact that they beat Juventus once upon a time. It rarely ever goes unremarked upon <laughs> if you uh, ever spend any time talking about Fulham with a Fulham fan. They will bring it up. And so they bloody well should. With apologies to, to Artie Rintat, who has talked about that yeah. in my presence before. <laughs> yeah, but they should do. They should do. Of course. It, it was a glorious moment and one that they shouldn't forget. Uh, okay, so one last game that we can refer to, although I, I tell you, I did not witness it. Fullsport were 2-0 winners in Cologne. Good result for them, considering things had gotten a little wobbly in the past couple of weeks. But, you know, kind of leaves both of them in the sort of the hurly-burly of the middle of the table. Yeah, it's, what is it now, five-point gap to sixth for Wolfsburg, isn't it? it, it that run, that snap of winless games just really, really did, did for them. And, yeah, they now move into mediocrity to the point where Bundesliga podcasters don't bother watching their matches anymore. <laughs> so Because there's not really much to talk about there. Sure. Uh, yeah. I'm a bit worried about where Cologne are going if, as well, if I may say so. But if we're talking about Wolfsburg, you know, I mean, obviously they'll be fine. They may yet be able to sneak in a European spot and it's a, they'll be a bit disappointed, but I mean, they'll be fine. Cologne, I don't like the way Cologne are going. I kind of hope that that turns around because, I, you know, I don't like seeing Cologne suffer. Agreed. Although sometimes I can be convinced. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, that's not true. It is actually quite fun because obviously there's a lot of psychodrama around Cologne. Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, they're a, a historic traditional football club and you want to see clubs like that in the Bundesliga one in my book. Yeah, they are an asset to the league. The psychodrama is thick. Mm. All right, that's all for this edition of Talking Foosball Direct. It was produced 
as always, by Aiden Rantoul. Lovely seeing your face, Terry. Yeah, well, thanks again for having me back on. It's always a fantastic pleasure and joy to see your face, Matt, Aww. and to engage with the listeners in this way. Yeah, I love hearing your voice, too, just like the listeners are right now. Yeah. All right, you can find him on Twitter, at Terry DeFell, and you can pick up his book, yes. Perusia Dortmund, a history in black and yellow, wherever fine books are sold. If you want to contact me, I'm at Mr. Matt Herman over there. Just some next to Mullion. 